Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. It's the Legends of League podcast, and you know where we are, the Four Pines Brew Pub in beautiful Manly. We hope you try it. They get right behind the podcast. Uh, Four Pines Nitro Stout is the one we are going to try later on, but Four Pines is the name everybody's talking about. Now, the other thing, why do we do the Legends of League podcast? Well, we're the people behind the Legends of League tournament, which Newcastle's had it, Central Coast have had it. Can't do it this year because of COVID-19, so in the meantime, we're keeping you all up to date with our Legends of League podcast. Today, some massive guests coming up. We're going to go a little bit old school in our chat, a little bit old school with Mark O'Mealy and the great Willie Mason. Coming up on the Legends of League podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Legends of League podcast. You know about the Legends of League tournament, which we've done in Newcastle, Central Coast. Everybody loves the tournament. We can't do the tournament this year because of the COVID-19 situation. By the way, if you don't know me, my name is Anthony Maroon. Legends of League podcast. We do it every week here at the Four Pines Brew Pub in beautiful, sunny downtown Manly. Four Pines, it's what everybody's drinking at the moment. This is the gear we are talking about. And uh, we're going to send some of this stuff to our guests a little bit later on. By the way, this one's the Nitro Stout, so it'll really get you going. Talking of guests, we've got some big guests today. This bloke played over 300 first-grade games, um, over five NRL clubs and a trip to the UK. He's an origin great. He's an Aussie great. And he's a colourful rugby league identity. Willie Mason, welcome to you. Thanks for that introduction. Not, Appreciate not, it. Mate, it's nice to see you. You're worth it. Yeah, thanks. It's good. I think you guys are doing some great things here. You had some uh, some great players on. I was I was waiting for my call. I was thinking, I was thinking, Hilly, come on, mate. Remember, <laughs> remember your boy here. So I'm glad he reached out. And um, I just I couldn't wait to do it. Geez, you look well. I do a little. I do, I do a little bit of training, not much. Mm. I just I'm just pretty. Um, and I lay off the piss a fair bit. Yeah, right, right. Maybe not after this. Well, no, you've got to have yeah. mate, after you've had the nitro stout. And I walk heaps, and I yeah. just I just try and keep active because when you. I just turned 40, so like mm. your body is a little bit banged up because obviously because of the footy and the less you do, the sore you, the sore you are. So mm. just got to keep a little bit active anyway. Mate, you're, you're actually almost glowing, Willie. You're almost glowing. moisturised too, you know. Is that right? <laughs> I agree, you should do that as well. Yeah, well, let's bring him in. Marco Mealy, uh, just shy of 300 top-level games, 10 games for New South Wales, 15 for Australia, live in the uh, Holden Commodore. Here is Marco Mealy. Hello there, Ogre. How are you guys? I see uh, Mace hasn't changed. I think the glow is more about him being a father. So I think mm. well done, Will. Congratulations you, growing Cheers, up. Mate. I'm finally growing up for yeah. you, mate. You know? I'll, I'll let you blokes get into a bit of banter among yourselves in a minute, but I think of all of this COVID-19 stuff, uh, Ogre, you've probably come out of it with the most interesting job in the world, biosecurity officer for the New Zealand Warriors. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, obviously Volani's done a great job to get our game going with Jason King, everyone involved, and to stick to our protocols, the players, the Warriors have made the ultimate sacrifice by coming over to Australia, isolating in, in Tenworth, as we all, all are aware, and then uh, based out of out of start the sea at Terrigal. So they've had some tough times at the moment, as, as we've all read, but uh, it's... it's uh, been pretty good to be around a, a, a team again and have that environment that as we retire we all seem to miss yeah i want to start i want to cover off on all the great stories of how you two know each other and 
You've, you've obviously got a great friendship. I could hear from the banter before we went on air. Talking about hard times, though, the mighty Bulldogs. Now, the Bulldogs are a club my whole life, boys, that have been so successful. Since 1979, they have played in 12 grand finals. Now, they haven't won them all, but that's such a record, isn't it? When you look at teams that go 60 years without a grand final or 20 years without a grand final, here's a team that's played in over 40 seasons, 12 grand finals, they were such a powerhouse club for so long, the Dogs, and now they're in a, in a real rebuilding phase. You're both grand final greats from the club. I'm going to throw it over to you. What do you want to say about the Dogs, Willie? Let, let you start. What, where's it all going wrong? Um, I'm not sure. I think probably with recruiting, and they're still bouncing back from from what happened with, with Des and salary cap restrictions and all. Oh, there's a lot of drama going on in that club. I'm not going to be one of those ex-players that bagged the club or anything like that, but they, they're going through a bit of a tough time. It's... And they just don't have the cattle out there that can win games against the Roosters. Like, I was just saying it before, like, watching that game the other week, it was like, like it was like a New South Wales team mm. going against an under-20s team. Like, it, yeah. was, it was like men yeah, versus boys. boys. It was like, I just yeah. didn't understand it. I was like, is it, are they training properly? Do they have the right people? And I was just thinking, they don't have the right cattle. I was thinking, with the Roosters, you'd have to have all those Roosters team, that whole Roosters squad, pretty much play one of their worst games of, of the year and mm. have all the Bulldogs play out of their skin to actually compete. I think the Roosters probably still want, might have beat them. It was, it's, it's that much of a, of a difference. So, obviously, they've got to recruit better. They need some, they need some decent people, players there. There's nothing there that can scare any team. Mm. Having said that, though, Mark... It, it's not often they turn it up. It's not often they give up. They'll put in – we saw the, the most recent game against the uh, the Sharkies where, mate, they were in it right up to the final whistle. And even when the score started to sort of drop away a bit, they fought their way back. So the fight's in them. The spirit of the great club's still in them. Yeah, and, and the good thing about it, as Willie said, they are very young. Uh, it is, you know, boys versus men. But these guys are going to come out of it stronger in the, stronger in the long run. Uh, a bit more recruiting around, uh, as Willie said. Uh, I think we're all on the same page. We all love the club. I think they'll be all right. Usually uh, tough times don't last. The tough clubs do. And uh, I think they'll be fine, the Bulldogs. All right. Yeah, I think just with, you know, with the right people around, with the coaching, it comes from the it comes from the, the top all the time. The CEO from the general manager down to recruitment, development officers, and then the head coach, and then obviously the players. But everyone needs to be accountable at that club. It's a very proud club. They're used to winning. They're not used to being at the bottom. Uh, you know, and and the rebuilding. You know, so to speak, that club's never rebuilding. It's mm. always in the top eight. It's always fighting for that, and that'd be embedded in that club. And you can see that there's a lot of fight in that. In, in the boys, but like when they come up against that Roosters team, I could just simply just see it was, it was like boys versus men. Well, was... the, other, the other thing is too, mate, is uh, they seem to be more focused on attack where the game's so important now with defence. Um, probably at this stage, as you said, the body shapes, types, uh, yeah. the age difference, uh, you know, the more technical side of that aspect, they can start learning and getting prepared with a new rule with the one ref. They'll only yeah. uh, they'll only get better. Yeah. But I could see that defensive side that they've probably worked more on their attack at this, at this point, where I'm sure uh, a bit more work on their D could uh, close the close the gap on the scores. Yeah, I think um, a lot of clubs are really struggling to adapt to the new rules. I think the Roosters and 
and a Parramatta, obviously at the top, they just, it's like a fish to water. Mm. You know, mm. they, they pile through the middle of the field. They, they play some good football. Nothing's really that structured unless they get in that, in the red zone. Coming out of the yardages, they just pile through the middle with numbers and running hard and playing that old school sort of football. And they love that contact, but they have the right players there, the Roosters and Parramatta. The Bulldogs, I'm not, I'm not sure if the, if the nine's missing the jump, their back three's kind of, it's pretty weak. Their wingers aren't helping. They haven't got Blake Ferguson and Mike Sivo. Uh, they don't have Tupo. They don't have Brett Morris, Jay Moss. Their back five's really struggling. They're the teams that can, they're the teams that are jumping at yeah. you because when mm. you kick, they get you straight back over, over the 30 or 40 metre and then your boys, your big boys just walk back and then you start again. So I think... A, a club like the Bulldogs and all the people at the bottom of the table, they need a whole preseason. Yeah, they don't need. They can't just have a nine-week break and then they change the whole rules on the game mm. and expect them to adapt straight away. I think a lot of the a lot of the clubs at the bottom have have really struggled with that. All right, let's have a little bit of fun now. We've talked about the doggies. Good if they'd done. Uh, it'd be good to play there on that. It'd be good if they done Super League at a top eight and bottom eight because there's such a big difference from the top eight. Yeah, to yeah, the bottom eight. There really uh, is now, as Willie said. There is a yeah, and it's a, it's really showing that where oh yeah, there is such. Boys, let's have a little bit of fun um, with w- w- while we got you together. Talking about the two thousand and four grand final, that's the last grand final the doggies won, and you blokes played in that game. What are your memories of that game, Willie and Mark? Firstly, to you, Willie, because I know a lot of those blokes that you played with in that game, you're still very close with. Mm. Yeah, it was um, – what I do remember was being very nervous all day. It was such a beautiful day. And then it started fucking raining at the start. <laughs> so we, we went from – we think it was going to be a dry football until it being a cake of soap. So the first 10 minutes, it was drop for drop. It was sort of like – it was you, we, we, were, we were feeling so good. And it was like, oh, wow, it was sort of a little dire sort of feeling. Like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> you know, Freddie was throwing forward passes and they were dropping balls and then we were dropping balls. So until it dried up and then it got, then it got serious pretty much from Oregon – you know, 15 minutes in all the way down to the, to yeah. the last bell. So I was, it was nervous, but it, it was fun as hell. Mark? It was probably the week before was our hardest game versus Penrith. I yeah. still think that was the toughest game I've ever played in. Uh, when we lost, uh, we had an injury Price, with yeah. Pricey and Royce Tassi, and we had pretty much no middles. That, that was the hardest game I've played in. Yeah. And then the whole week getting through when we got to the grand final, it, it wasn't as hard as I expected. No, I reckon that too, when you think about it. Because the grand final went so quick. But in your head, when you watch it now, like you go, oh, wow, it went so slow. Mm. But, um, yeah, the Penrith game, I can't even remember that. Mm. Maybe it's just a thousand scares yeah. we had after the game. <laughs> that's an interesting thing, <laughs> Mark. You carded you the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, that's an interesting thing you say that the grand final of 2004 was easier than you thought it would be. That's a – Big call to make yeah. about a grand final. Penrith, Penrith were Penrith huge, were man. Like, they had like guys massive like massive statements. Yeah, yeah. Clint, yeah even Joel Clinton had a good a year. I know that. Know that hard. We, uh, I remember, I was about to break, and Corey Hughes kept pushing me, and then we went through the left hand edge, match in Utah. Rennie scored. Uh, Rennie scored, scored a great Rennie try, Tua, which was a win. But um, I was, I was ready to put the flag up. The only time in my life where I actually was that stuffed. Um, where the grand final, we had you know the compliments to come in of of Thurston, and and we had a whole week to prepare with what squad we had. Where in that game versus Penrith, we pretty much were shell shocked because we lost our, our starting pack pretty much at the start of the game. Yeah, I agree. I never really thought it like that because, mm. but I remember it was a brutal game because they had like 
Pulitzer, Nullivar, Waterhouse, Clinton, and Martin Lang, and uh, Luke Prittis is their starting pack. Yeah. They were yeah. fucking animals, man. They were beasts. Did you guys have any? You're both colourful characters of the game. Did you have any sort of pre-game ritual, Willie, that 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 you used to do before you ran out there? You're talking to the ritual I'll king over there. Billy uh, <laughs> really used to look in the mirror all the time. Oh, fuck off, Ogre. Hey, Ogre is an intense human. Yeah. What would he do? What would Ogre do? So him? Ogre just say when he first got to the club, he was very intense. Different character. Just different. You know, young these other guys like Dennis Scott, we had Jamie Feeney and these guys, and Ogre just didn't have I, I, was, I don't think he had any respect for him, to be honest. He's just like, fucking, he's a soft. And we had, a, we had a year in 2001 where we had a decent sort of team. We had a bit of a run and we bought Ogre. Ogre's only got 21 years old at this time. Mm. We used to play for New South Wales and he was a young, pretty much the, young, the best young prop in the game. And then he comes over and he's, he's, he's a bit brash and everything like that. And we didn't even know he had two kids. He's married to Sandy with great people. And, but they just didn't know how to take him. He's, he's sitting there, you know, Ogie used to smoke a little bit and he put darts out on people like when we're on the pits. <laughs> we're on the pits. They didn't know. They're like, who is this nut job? Yeah. He shaved head and he goes, you guys are fucking soft. <laughs> you're soft, you're soft, this and that. And um, to guys like Dennis Scott and Feeney and all these young, all these guys that were five years older than Ogre. Mm. <laughs> he's just like, I don't give a shit. You guys are soft. <laughs> he pretty much set the tone for that whole era that were there, mm. his toughness and just the way that he approached games. And... I just sort of followed Ogre. I'm, I'm a year older than Ogre, but he achieved more than me at that time. And I, so I looked up to him and said, these guys are fucking nuts. I, I need to roll with Ogre. So we just performed this really good bond and we started playing some really good football together. But before games, like he was very, very superstitious. He used to have a uh, – obviously he used to share the, share the space next to me. He'd have a blue power rate and an orange power rate. This is how, this is how um, – Picky he got. If he had a bad game, he goes, fuck, I knew I, I should have drank the orange Powerade first. <laughs> I drank the blue one. I should have drank the orange. Anyway, anyway so I'd roll into games. a pretty, pretty relaxed guy on, um, on game day. I'd switch on I'd, when I know I have to switch on. Ogre would be ready already, like two and a half hours before the game. Boots on, jersey, and he's already put like uh, uh, Vicks on his face. So people go, what the fuck is Vicks? Because everyone heard these rumors. He rubs Danker up in his face. He rubs Danker. I said... Oh, I want to see this sort of shit. First game, I just see him. He's already head shaved up, looking glistening, looking ready to go. He's like, fucking put your head on, mate. It's like, two hours ago. <laughs> it's like, Fuck, it can't be that intense the whole time. He's, he's that intense from the start. Danker up about five minutes before he goes on. Game over. He yeah. just goes out and just tears team apart. So he set that sort of standard. The whole, the whole culture of that, um, that era there from 2002 to about 2007, we were a pretty good side. Okay, boys, will you talk about those glamour days at the Doggies when you won that premiership back in 2004? The last grand final the Doggies won and the man in charge was Steve Folks. Now, you both had a relationship with Folksy that we can ask you about, but obviously, Willie, you had a well-publicised fallout, but the beautiful thing was you got to make peace with the guy before he passed. Yeah, well before. We were, we were always friends. It wasn't even a drama. Obviously, with the, the media, the way, that, the way they want to beat things up, it was a lot more... You know, they, they just tossed a lot of shit up. And folks, he's just a man of principle and everything. Like, we had a bit of a misunderstanding and we got over it. Like, everyone just gets older and, you get you know, like, you just get along with life. Mm. So, you know, as a, as a player, like, we were, I was just a sort of different different breed that he's used to coaching, you know, and he evolved as a person and as a coach. And, like, he had to go and deal with guys like me and Sonny and Rennie Mature and a lot of Polynesian sort of people coming through and the likes like Ogre. We had different characters. And my whole thing was like... 
we've got different characters. Don't train me like Jamie Feeney. Like, I'm not that sort of player. He's not me. Like, and I was big on that. It's very NFL sort of American driven. Like, I've got different attributes and I have this and Ogre does this. So I can do this. So everyone sort of needs to get treated a little bit different. I wasn't asking for different, meant different treatment, but I was, that's my yeah. whole mentality. Yeah. I was like, you can't coach me the way you got a, a guy. Everyone's role, different role players in, the different, in a different team. So he had to go with that because he's real old school with his mentality. He evolved as a coach. And we all evolved as players. I loved him as a coach. I, I look back on it now and go, okay, well, he, Wayne Bennett and him are probably my favourite coaches. I was going to ask you about your coaches, but just before we do, what about you, Aga? What are your thoughts about Folksy? Mate, uh, I went over there, signed uh, 2001. I was 19 um, and done a pre-season. Folksy hadn't spoke to me. And I remember saying to Braith and Asta, what's going on? Well, the coach hasn't spoken to me. We haven't touched the football. All we've been doing is uh, triathlons and mm. fitness and running. And and uh, I remember Brave saying to me, mate, if he's not talking, he's happy with you. <laughs> so he was. that was my first experience. But folks, he was outstanding. All the morning I'd get there early because there's always the largest sort of person. I'd have to do extras and he'd be there doing extras. Uh, and the group we had, you know, we were all from – that blue sort of collar yeah. uh, environment. And he was like a father figure for us and always supported us, had our, had our backs. Um, so for me, it, it was probably a really good thing because I started uh, family so young and, and rugby league so young to have someone like him around uh, that, you know, you could learn life lessons off. Yeah. You both finished up at the Roosters though, didn't you? You got yeah. there, uh, Ogre, a little bit before, Willie. You went up there sort of around that time with the fallout. Out, yeah. Yeah. So then when you get there, I think by the time you get there, Willie, uh, Freddie Fittler's the coach. Mm. But for you, Mark, you got there a little bit earlier. How would you find the Roosters? Yeah, good. They were trying to change the culture. Willie got there the same time. Same year, right? Oh, 2008, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, signed, uh, I just signed a year earlier. Um, right. And Willie come over late yeah. in the fallout. But uh, – yeah, no, we both had Freddie, and the first year there, we I think we were equal minor premiers yeah, or four against. We just fell short. Um, yeah, it was it was all about changing that culture, and as you can see now, Trent Robertson, Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, Matt King, uh, obviously with Nick Politis there, everyone in the staff is still there. Um, they've created this culture, yeah. um, and I think you know that was the point of when the Roosters. Uh, signed us guys from the dogs. They wanted to change the culture. Oga, what do you, you've got a little bit to do with the Roosters and the the reserve grade and stuff like that? What do you think? What do you put it down to? Is it Trent Robinson and his people, or is it Nick Politis? Oh, like, how I, do you put that on I, that whole culture change? Look, I think they all stay in their lanes. They all know each other's role. Um, there's no grey area, so it's black and white. That's how I see it. Um, you know, everyone needs to be accountable. A lot of our players these days don't accept accountability. You'd remember Hazem when we're in videos, <laughs> always make excuses. Love you, Haz. Um, same sort of thing. It's just, uh, it's just about, uh, you know, take making, um, making decisions and accepting. The only way you're going to become a better player is learning. Yeah, 100%. So I, I, uh, I'm lucky, lucky enough to go in, you know, watch Craig Fitzgibbon work with his defensive drills and, uh, and that, and there's so much respect through that club towards everyone. Um, you know, it's not like the days when we were at the Dogs and we didn't know the 16 and 17 year old kids. Like they know everyone. Everyone, you know. Oh, that's good. Communicates, stays tight. So I think that's the big thing, and very technical. Um, I've been, I've got to watch a lot of clubs train this year, and they're very technical. So 
they actually start a session with the technicality side and then build into it where some coaches or, or sorry, some clubs just jump straight into the big picture. Mm. So, and uh, I see that's where I am. I'm a technical coach as well. I'm not just a big picture coach. Hey, let me ask you some questions, boys, about you individually, because you've both had colourful careers for different reasons. Firstly to you, Willie, I don't know where to start, but one of the great images of you is with Wendell Saylor in that pool yeah, yeah. massaging each other's back. Where was that and what was that all about? That was on, that was in Mission Beach. We had a few properties up there. And that was just before I signed with the Roosters. So I was in a bit of limbo to see. I, mean, I was dealing with stuff with the Bulldogs. I didn't know what, what to do. So I just went up there for a bit of a holiday. And we'll, we'll, we had some units and stuff up there. And, well, and, Wendell and had Wendell, units. Yeah, up. Wendell had them as well. So we just went up there. And it was hot as fuck. It was like 48 degrees. I can't... My shoulders don't go there. I can't – there was no one in the pool apart from Wendell. I'm like, I didn't want to burn. And then I, I said, can you rub it on my back? Willie. That's exactly how it happened. I said, I didn't, I didn't know who else to ask. I'm like, can you rub it on my back? And he's like, yeah, sweet. You just been a mate. <laughs> he got caught on camera. It was front page like, oh, man, of all things. Yeah. And, it was, we, and the journey yeah. had come around with us and we said, look – you know, there was no photos and everything. Like, we just, we done good by him and he just fucking smashed us. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, this looks really good, doesn't it? Yeah. Everyone's it's- doing preseason. Willie's on a fucking holiday. <laughs> I'm like, no way. I didn't have to go to training for another two weeks. <laughs> and I already, I, I, the deal was already done. Mm. I knew I had, we had to set a date. Wendell was just being a mate. But, Willie, not only what you've, done but often what you've said and we've only mm. got to look a couple of years back in defense of your mate jared hayne yeah. when you had a little bit of a crack at tommy radonicus and the old school of rugby league didn't like that you would take uh a take to take you know umbrage with someone like tommy radonicus over the the jared hayne nfl thing i just don't understand why he has every right to say any anything he wants and i can't mm. we've got to put up with his shit yeah. you can put up with mine right so i look at it mm. it's not a big deal to me I just and people just make a big deal because of Tommy Redonigus. He's been doing shit and saying dumb shit for like twenty years. So yeah, he, I mean, he, I don't, I don't think he really cares. I, every time I see Tommy, it's like nothing has happened. So he just says stuff because he that's the way he feels. I yes. say stuff because that's my opinion. So just if you don't like it, just don't listen. So he's okay with it. You're okay with it. It's everyone else. I yeah, it's everyone yeah. else because yeah. Tommy's fine. He just like, he honestly doesn't give a shit. I see him. I shake his hand. It's not. Mm. A, it's not. It's just his opinion and it's my opinion. I don't think it's that big a deal unless you're just a real sensitive little kid mm. and you're going to whinge about it. Like yeah. you're grown-ass men, like you can deal with it. I'm a 40-year-old man. He's, I don't know how old Tommy, he's been pushing 70 and he's a bit crooked now at the moment. If I've seen him, but all the best in, with his health. I don't wish anything upon him. Tommy's a great guy. He's great for rugby league and everything like that. He's a legend of the game, but he has an opinion. I have an opinion. That's yeah. just the way the world is. It, it's like another famous rugby league coach said, Willie, uh, people are just dying – to find something, you know, people have got to be offended by something. Yeah, we can't have yeah. positivity in this no, world, for no. fuck's sake. Just like yeah. everyone's got to be negative. Mm. And so, dude, it's not it's not always negative. Whatever I say, everything, most of it gets taken out of context. You can take anything I say and make it into a headline, which they usually do. So I'm just that dude that they do it. And I just don't, I actually just don't care. Yeah. I don't read papers or anything like that. I might, I might breeze through something else, but nothing like that really phases me. Any media stuff, it's yeah. like, well, it's, it's a bigger picture. Just to be clear, for those who don't know, uh, Jared Hayne had that stint in the NFL. He come back. You suggested it was a successful stint. Tommy Rodonica said, no, it wasn't because he's back mm. here already. Yeah, well, well he doesn't know. The, like, and that's the thing where, like, he doesn't obviously read the fine print. I know Haynes, I know him really well, so I know the intricacies of his story mm. and what happened. So I can comment on it. Because I know what's going on. They'd ring Tommy and Tommy would just go, nah, it fucking sucked. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's just Tommy's opinion. He doesn't know all the little things what happened with Hangsy over there and how he could have went back and he come back for his kid and did the right thing morally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they don't really know no. that. But Tommy, like that's why they ring Tommy for because he's that dude that he'll give you his honest opinion at that time without any sort of history or knowing about what's going on. He's just that's just the way he is. One hundred percent. And he's a regular watcher of our podcast. So Tommy, if you're watching yeah, I love today, Tommy. mate, I've got no, we no love feelings you. against Tommy. He just he's yeah. He says what he says. I said what I said. We laugh. We just laugh about it. Oh, yeah. I go one on one with Tommy. Come on, mate. Ogre, <laughs> Ogre, over to you. You you are. You came through the North system, and one of the rare players to have played for the Northern Eagles. Yes, but as I, if North I, Sydney Bears. Yeah, I know <laughs> North Sydney Bears, then to the Northern Eagles. Oh, yeah. But if I work it out here, without you know the facts and figures in front of me, by the time you finish playing in the UK is about 2013, 2014. So you must have been the last Bears player to still be playing. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I, I, I always said I was the last bear. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was, mate, because I was 17 when I started there. Uh, Chris Heinington was at North, but he was only in Harold Matts, mm. so he never played really? grade. Who continued on. So uh, Matt Orford was there as well, but he retired, uh, yeah, a lot younger than I did. Um, so, yeah, probably the last bear, mate, and uh, – Northern Eagles. It was uh, we had the two years there before it went back to Manly. You're, the, la- you're the last Northern Eagle, wouldn't you? <laughs> Surely. <laughs> I'm not sure about the last Northern Eagle. I didn't. Yeah. I try and uh, forget about them. Days, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was uh, really good there at Northern Eagles. We had, um, you know, Peter Sharp and uh, Frank Panisi. I learned a lot off. Yeah. Um, and then, then um, you know, that's when I started. I got my Origin start and. Them guys were really um, influential on my career. Let's talk about influential on your career. Now, is, this is the thing with you, Willie. You played 148-odd games for the Dogs, and then you went on a bit of a run mm. where you played for a bunch of clubs. But in those coaches, we talked before about Freddie Fittler, but you crossed paths with Wayne Bennett as well. Yeah. Who's the best coach you had? Um, going back to when I like, – just say when I started at the Bulldogs, I had, I had folks here the whole time. And then once I left that whole system, I sort of found out what most clubs are like. I had no loyalty to anyone. I was like, no, nah, I'm fucking finished with this club. I'm done. Yeah. So I didn't mm. care what other jersey I put on. I honestly didn't because I found out most clubs aren't loyal at all nah. and they'll fuck you out of the door before you, <laughs> you can do it. So I was usually on the front foot. I said, I'm out. See you later. Mm. I'm not happy here. Didn't have any qualms mm. about it. But before you make that step, it's, it's the hardest thing to do because you want to stay there and you think the club's loyal, but it's a load of shit. That's why you see a lot of kids just leave the clubs. So I, had, I went into uh, Neil Henry at North, at yeah. North Queensland, mm. Freddie. Uh, Wayne Bennett, a couple of French people. I don't even really know their name. Um, <laughs> I had, I had, I had an array of coaches. Now I sort of pick out, pick all the best attributes from the coaches, like Wayne and folks. Freddie had his had his moments. Um, yeah, I, I think they're all they're all pretty. It's a fucking intense job. You know, the more you look at it now, it's like wow. Like I, I, the last thing I would want to be is an NRL yeah, coach. Yeah, I don't really want. To, I don't wish that upon anyone. The amount of stress that they have got to deal with, the amount of people they have got to deal with. But at that time when you're a young kid, you don't give a shit. You're just like, ah, why, why isn't this coach giving me this, this, and this? <laughs> like, why am I doing this? It's always about me, me, yeah. me. I don't, you don't realize that until the later part of your career. You know, when I had, I ran into Wayne Bennett when I was 32. And I extended my career for like three or four years being un- underneath him, and then um. It was just, yeah, I had, a, I had a really good array of coaches. But I think if I really break it down, I love Folksy's mentality because he never really put pressure on me. He wasn't that person to come before a game and go, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. All the X's and O's. He knew what I was good at and he, 
he got the best out of me like that. And Wayne Bennett was the same. Wayne knew what I was good at, knew what mm. I brought to the table. wasn't a big, wasn't that much of a drama. Like mm. there wasn't about the X's and O's and the structures of the game. He goes, you know, you you can do whatever you can do, and then go out there and execute. So. What those about, coaches are the best. What about you, Mark? Because, you know, obviously folksy, but you go back and you mentioned the name Peter Sharp and most football people, people yeah. with NRL people, genuine NRL people, rate him up there very high, highly, Peter Sharp. Oh, I knew nothing about stats and effort on efforts, uh, et cetera, uh, until Sharp and Frank Panisi, uh, you know, pointed out some stuff at games. I'd Pete Louie at North Sydney, which was uh, – which we didn't do any of that that stuff. So I'm, I'm doing the apprentice, and I think that was really, uh, really, um, you know, something that I needed to understand that you know they're looking at the effort on efforts. They're not looking for the big shot at every time. They're not looking for uh, shooting out of the line. It's more about defensive system. So they are unreal. But I think most the best coach I've had, and I think why we won 2004 was. Uh, Gus Gould in origin. I think yeah, he taught us a lot. Right. In Sorry, I forgot about the rep coaches principles. we had. Um, so Gus taught us left four, right four, middle. I'd never been told where to stand in defence. I just got there and defended. Um, mm. He taught us so much technical side of it, how to work. We come back. There was six of us that played origin that year. We come back better players. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was a massive reason for us to win the comp and Obviously, Roosters wouldn't have been happy with that, but um, that origin that year, because I had Wayne Pierce when I started origin, and then when we, I, I had Gus and Sticky and that, but Gus was uh, probably the best yeah. coach I've been involved in. He's a different in. kettle of fish, Wayne Bennett, Yeah, Wayne Bennett's the best man manager, and Freddie's obviously, you know, thinks outside of the box. He looks at different things and different ways to inspire and get players to uh, perform. That's why I think the modern-day coach like a Trent Robinson has, has – if I was if I was a coach, I would, and I've been coached by the best of them. I'd take Folksy's attitude. I'd take a little bit from Wayne. I'd take a little bit from Tim Sheens or whatever all those best best coaches are, and then or Craig Bellamy. We've been coached by Belly as well. And then obviously you got to look at yourself and what sort of person you are, and then you be you be that mm-hmm. coach. You can't just cut and paste and just go. Oh, I'm going to take exactly what Craig Bellamy does. No, Craig Bellamy's Craig Bellamy for a reason. So I think Phil Gould, you got to take a little bit out of Gus. He's the best X's and O's and brain behind rugby league. I mean, he's he's a genius. I read, a, I read an article the other day, Willie. Uh, one of the young coaches was saying we need a, you know, coaches to teach coaches. Well, you the do problem that. is a lot of coaches try to implement other coaches. You got to be yourself. You got to yeah. Have that's what I'm principles. saying. That's my whole whole thing. Like be yourself. What, exactly. And what you're talking about is bring in what what you think's important and what you believe in, and then get the players to buy in into that. Not uh, trying to copy and. And pace, we call them copy and paste coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, do, and you can see them because they're cut from the Bellamy cloth, they're cut from the Wayne Bennett cloth, they're cut from Gus Gould, Gus, and even Brian Smith. We can see that, and the the, man, the the type of football that they are playing. But the guys like Trent Robinson, I think he he's looked in the mirror and gone, okay, well, this is this is what I bring to the table first of all, and then he can yeah. You can you can grab bits from all the great coaches and all the great philosophers and everything around the world, and then be yourself. And I think that's what Trent Robinson is, and I think that's what Craig Bellamy he's is. Put, he's put a team around himself too that's compliment compliments him. So, like I said, Matt King, Craig Fitzgibbon, Nathan Kalis, uh, Jason Taylor, very good, experienced coaches and players there that compliment the compliment Robo yeah. there at the yep. Roosters. That's, that's probably why they are so successful. Yeah. Boys, what about yourselves now? Um, 
you're, uh, Ogre, you're still at your playing weight. When we crossed you in the car there, you were eating a family-sized banana bread about to go for your daily run. Are you, no. are you still at your playing weight? No, mate, I'm about 12 kilos over. I started at 117 unlimited interchange and I ended up playing my best at 106 and I'm about 120 now. So, yeah, you know. not be playing weight. I, I, I run, uh, do a lot of walking, like Willie said. You know, you've got to get them endorphins going to make yourself feel like mm. you've accomplished something. As an ex-football player, you're striving all the time to uh, – feel like you've completed something uh so all the time i'm trying every day trying to do some sort of challenge in my head to try and uh make myself feel feel uh you know that the feeling i had when i played mate big oaks you're you're obviously doing the biosecurity for for the warriors obviously the steve kearney sacking how how's the feeling down there like with the boys i know there it's, it's an emotional time you've you've been right at the forefront there can you give us a bit of an insight uh, look, I, I weren't there when the sacking happened. It, it come out of the blue. Um, the boys, you know, done the haka for him and they're all very emotionally upset, which is the biggest respect you can give for a coach. But, uh, mate, I'm like a fly on the wall. I'm just looking, making sure every protocol's ticked and that. Um, it, to me, it come out of the blue. No one could see it coming. Normally, you have an inkling of a coach going, like, a, you know, people are talking about, you know, Greeny may be going at the moment, Seabolt. Uh, um, you also got um, Cronulla, you know, talking about their, their head coach, Callan Johnny Morris, where nothing was even spoken about with uh, with Steve Kearney. And he's a true uh, gentleman. He reminds me a lot of folks, he, his mentality. So, it, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, a bit, bit upsetting for them boys, mm. but... He didn't lose. He didn't lose the playing group. What I'd seen, he had the playing group. It was just obviously uh, other issues within the organisation, which you know I'm not privileged to to know. Okay, well he'll no doubt bounce back somewhere, boys. Let's have a look at what what we ask all our guests to do on the Legends of League podcast is to come up with their best 17 players of the last 40 years. Now, you guys, what I've done here is I've just gone through the ones that I find. Uh, uh, really stand out for me for one way or the other. Firstly, you, Willie, you got Lockie, a fullback. you got Inglis and Gaz in the centres. Hain, Falau on the wings. Fittler, Johns in the halves. No real surprise around the halves there. Taumalolo, Talis, Sonny Bill. Burgess and Sivanasiva up front. Um, Ogre, you've got a similar team, but I want to come to your individual choices shortly. But you've both gone for Danny Badiris at hooker. You've both, you've both given Cameron Smith the most represented player, the most capped player in rugby league. You've given him the the wide berth and you've gone from a boy from uh, Tari. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bedsy, Bedsy took the game too. Yeah, that's why he didn't play as long. Uh, Bedsy, that origin game we played with him when he hit Webke inside yeah. the 10, you know, things like that. Where Cameron Smith, you run at him, he absorbs, he catches. There's no impact. There's no drive. Might be, you know, very intelligent player where Bedsy was intelligent, knowledgeable, and took the game to you. You can see a young player now at the moment in Victor Radley who, who takes the game to the opposition. So I think that's why I went with Bedsy. I played with Cameron Smith as well in Australian Tour. Um, I, I just think that that's more my reason that, that I enjoy players that take, that, you know, want to confront the battle and not absorb it. Yeah, I agree with Ogre. I think Bedsy, he has the the football IQ, same as Cameron Smith. He's uh, But he really goes – he just goes hard. He just went harder. And he, the way that he went out in 2013, I played next to him, 
when Hargraves hit him, like there's no way that he should have went for that, that that tackle on a bloke like that. Hargraves yeah. in his prime then. He fucking beds. He tried to put a massive hit on him, try and lift his team, and. You know, they just bring different things anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying – this is not a blight on Cameron Smith's career. I don't think he really gives a shit. But um, I think Beds, he's a, just, he's a different player. He's tough as hell. His skills are unbelievable. And I think Ogre and I and myself probably a little bit lenient towards Beds because we played Origin with him. Yeah. You know, and a lot of Queenslanders who played um, football with Cameron Smith will pick Cameron Smith. Fair enough. Like, there's, I mean, Cameron Smith's going to go down as one of the greatest players. But I think Danny Badiris deserves his just dues because I think in that in – that, in the mid two thousands, when the game was pretty crazy, Bedsy was the number one hooker, and you know, and then um, Cameron Smith took over. And Cameron Smith, he's a great game manager. That's you, what he is. You got you got Cameron Smith on your bench here, Willie. But this is, your bench is interesting because you've got Thurston Slater, Cameron Smith, the great Glenn Lazarus. But you've gone out of your way here to pick a number eighteen. And what about this for a curveball? What, you've got you've gone for the great McNeil, the former uh, Balmain Tigers half five eight, who might have spent a bit of time with the Steelers as yeah, well. I loved him when I was younger. He's red hair, flying everywhere. I think I think Mal ankle tapped him and he fell. I think Mal, Mal hit him with his pinky in the eighty nine <laughs> grand final and he fucking went flying. <laughs> he did, uh, didn't he? Yeah, man, I remember having a couple of beers with him all the time. He's just a larrikin. I yeah. used to love McNeil. So yeah, I just thought I'd just throw him in there anyway. So he get a so he gets yeah. a mention. I, my my whole um. Not agenda, but my main main way of picking this team was like I was just picking the best players in my head in the last. I don't not in the forty years. I think ever. Yeah. Uh, I just think Darren Lockie changed the game at fullback. Greg Inglis is like he's just ridiculous. Mark Gagne, I reckon. I just think they can play through any era and would dominate any era. Jared Hayne, Izzy Flower, Brad Fittler just come on the onto the scene as this big man child uh, can step off both feet. We're just carving through things. Andrew Johns come in with his skill and his tackling and. His IQ for the game. Tell Malolo is an anomaly. Sonny Bill, Petro, Danny, Sam Burgess, Gordon Tallis. Like Thur- and I can't leave Thurston, Slater, Cameron mm, Smith, mm. and Glenn Lazarus because they're all, I think, top one and two in their positions ever. All That's right. what I was thinking. I was like, well, I don't think there's m- better halves than Joey and Cam. I mean, Joey and Thurston or, you know, Darren Lockyer and Billy. Like, There's so many good players. I just thought I'll get the best two, especially when I was trying to split hairs with Joey and – and Thurston and Smith and, and Baderis, so and even Slater and Lockyer. But all those other ones, I just think any era, I just say you put Gordon Tallis in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, he'll eat anyone. Same as Sonny, Bill, Petro. All those players I just think will dominate in every era. And we know you're uh, watching Megzy Neal, so, mate, nice to have you get a mention in our best sides. Let's go to your team now, Ogre. I want to specifically here talk, well, first of all, as Willie, as you pointed out, bloody hell, he's picked 17 players, every one of them, is a New South Wales player. He yeah, hasn't picked one Queenslander. I was uh, very busy, mate. They asked me for my best uh, yeah. 17 New South Wales team at the start of the year. So it's the exact same, isn't it? I just sent that through to uh, to Hilly, mate. I didn't have time. Oh, well, at least you're honest. But, hey, what about your, your back line? You've got Minnie. You've got in the centres Laurie Daly and Freddie. And you've got in the halves Brett Kenny and Andrew Johns. The guru, Eric Groth, uh, senior on one wing, but the other wing you've got a bloke who hasn't got a mention yet. Yes, that's right. The Prime Minister of Gerringong, Rod mm. Wishart, gets a run in your team. Mate, he was uh, one of my favourite players. Um, uh, I used to just love watching him run and knock people out, to be honest. That's <laughs> the he was way. a beast, though. I love Rod. Mm. That's, how I, that's how I played my game and that's how I love to play. And, uh, um Mate, he inspired me as a kid, and there was another one, uh, at Parramatta, um, Peter Johnson, who was pretty strong. Fuck, as he well. could hit, eh? 
Yeah, yeah you could so hear them, them too. I tried to. Uh, I used to really enjoy watching play. Obviously, um, yeah. So you know, I, I think Rod Wishard was outstanding in all the Origin matches I watched as Good a kid. Quads. Mm. I think Jono's got a uh, subway in Wollongong uh, now, Ogre. So if you're ever down that way, call in. I'm sure he'll give you a foot long of something. But good <laughs> to catch up. Long, a couple. <laughs> hey, good to catch up with you, Ogre. No problem. See you, big Ogs. There you he is. looking healthy and well. All right, mate. Good See on you, mate. you, mate. There he is joining us on Legends of League, the podcast, uh, the great Mark O'Mealy. Doggies and NRL and, of course, New South Wales, great. And Willie Mason, good to catch up with you as well. Thanks, guys. Legends Cheers. of League podcast. Right here. Well, there it is, another episode, and thank you so much for your support. Thanks to our partners, too. I've been right behind us. Four Pines Brewing Company, where we film our podcast here at Four Pines Brew House in Manly. We hope you'll give it a try. Give them a follow on social media, too. That would help. The handle, at Four Pines Beer, or check out the website, fourpinesbeer.com.au. That's the number four. Uh, and make sure that you press the subscription button to be the first to find out when we release a new episode. And, of course, you can stay up to date with all our latest announcements and content, social media at Legends of League AUS. That's at Legends of League AUS. See you next time on our Legends of League podcast. <laughs>